Good morning, good morning, good morning. The sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. Today is Thursday, December the 10th, 2020. My name is Stephen Cornegay, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. This is going to be part two of uh, my thoughts on the increased gun violence here in the city of Durham. Now, if I could just go back just a ways because I feel a need to. As I stated earlier from the previous episode, uh, some students and the chancellor from North Carolina Central University went to the city council also and explained themselves in regards to the uh, uprising and gun violence and violence in general in and around the campus. And they asked also about the shot spotter. They had had a lot of shootings there also. And once again, the city council rejected that idea. I kind of understand it and I, and, and I under, I get it. But just like you, you want to now defund the police and some say it's not actually defunding, but retrain. I think you could possibly retrain them with the use of this uh, shot spotter system. Of course, like I said, don't need one more uh, one more tool to to stereotype or or generalize African Americans. So I say, why not have it and just train? Because that's ultimately what 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 needs to be done. There needs to be a retraining. I, I, I don't approve of defunding the police to the point where you just. I don't think it's when people hear defunding the police, they automatically think they're going to take money and and resources and and the guns away. I, I don't think that will happen or should happen. I should say I don't think it should happen. I think there needs to be a serious retraining. I'll give you that. Because not every instance or situation calls for brute force. Sometimes you have to use a... a, a, You don't always have to walk with a big stick. You'll be surprised at the amount of times you can actually defuse a situation by just talking. But I'm not saying diffuse a situation when you you arrive on the scene or something, and, and there's obviously some serious violence going on. No, 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 no. That may sound heartless, but hey, if if, if the police are called and they happen to come to the scene and and you're acting like you have haven't got the sense the good Lord gave a, a blade of grass or a billy goat, then yeah, you need to be dealt with harshly. Don't want you around me. Don't need you around me. Don't need you in my community. But moving on, one of the, you know, like I said earlier, one of the things I feel that has happened and is obvious that the youth have not only been disregarded, but or forgotten about. They've just been flat out kicked to the curb. And now you have to deal with it. 
you know, yeah, there have been many years in the past where, where there has been a lot of uh, shootings and, and crime here in Durham, but now it's it's getting completely and utterly has gotten out of control. And there has to be something done. And when you allow a situation like this to go unchecked for so long, then yeah, you, you, you have to take drastic measures. And I understand the climate in this country now with everything that has happened over the summer and the, the previous years with police and police brutality. I understand that completely. And that needs to be checked also. But at this point in time, when I can easily turn on the TV or, or read in the newspaper that there's been another shooting, then you have to take drastic steps and drastic measures. Sitting back and trying to go with what is popular because what has happened is not it. It can't be it. We have a a, a serious problem here in Durham and everywhere, but more specifically here in Durham. You know, just last night, I'm sitting here in the in my bedroom and I hear uh, easily 10 shots gunfire somebody's shooting at somebody Wednesday evening about 8, 9 o'clock at night just out of the blue shooting has that become normal? does that seem normal to you? doesn't to me there's no way in the world that's normal there's no way in the world that's acceptable there's no way in the world that's cool or that has to be it just isn't now I could beat and harp on the elected officials because trust me they have done their their part to facilitate this and what we have But also, I I just want to say to the African-American young male and African-American male in general, because we have to take some responsibility in this also. We have to stop allowing our social ills to be our crutch, if you will. You know, in 47 years upon this earth, one thing I can say And I say this to my kids all the time because it was said to me also, the world owes you nothing. It owes you nothing. So if you're standing by thinking that somehow, some way, because of your situation that you were born into or you happened into or just because they owe you something, they they don't. They just don't. I know I said earlier or I alluded to earlier about how it was when I was coming up and and the compassion that you had for your fellow man and how you would help and, and, and help them when you could, if it was just talking or listening. Yeah, that's about the extent of it. But if you're thinking that they owe you that or more because you're African American and, and you're you're brought up in the hood or you don't have a father 
or, or your, your mother's struggling and striving. She's doing the best she can. Newsflash, they owe you nothing. Yeah, your life sucks. And your life at most points and times sucks also. I mean, I'm 47 years old and I still have problems. That's life. You're going to have that. You're going to, But it doesn't give you a right or somehow an understanding that you can just go out into the world, into the community, and just act like you have no regard for human life to the point that you kill. Now, some may say that's you're not understanding or, or, or you're lacking compassion and understanding. Um, no, I am an African-American male and I can tell you from firsthand experience and I've, I know what, to an extent, what they're going to. I may not know the, the, the harshness all that well, but I know enough. I know enough to know that you can't, there's no way in the world you as an individual can continue this lifestyle. There's no way and think that you can sustain or be profitable or somehow you have it all figured out. And also at this point, I think a lot of them just don't care. They have lost faith or never had faith in life or that anybody cared about them. And a lot of them know that they they were being jerked around by the system. But the one thing I can honestly say or I would like to say, don't use it as a crutch. Because eventually you're going to have to stand on your own too. You just have to. Not eventually. It needs to be a permanent mindset for you to stand on your own too. Stop relying on other people to help you out. They're not. We see how the this particular city council or this police force how they view you how they interpret your needs a lot of times you know I I say a lot that we in the African American community the only time we get courted by politicians is around election election time which is true but let's be honest with each other they don't even want to come around to you now don't want to be bothered with don't want you in the discussion because of or one of the reasons is because of this, the gun violence. And truthfully, why should they? Where have we failed as adults where our kids feel the only way to solve a problem is to pick up a gun and shoot. We we have really 
really and truthfully missed the mark on this one. We can't continue to gripe, piss and moan that our voices aren't being heard if we're not going to tackle the issues in our own communities, our own homes, and our own families. If we're going to continue continue to allow this to go on and say, oh, well, it's not my problem, or oh, Lord, have mercy, I don't know what to do with this child. Don't expect others to. If you won't put forth the effort and time to correct the problem, don't think others will, because they're not. And why should they? Well, I guess that's the end for me. I think I've talked enough. Hope I haven't talked your ears off. And I would like to thank you all for lending me your ears again this morning. It is the most difficult time here in this world in general. Not just here in Durham, but everywhere. We're under some unprecedented hard times just by, hey, dealing with COVID alone. And I know COVID certainly hasn't helped the situation. It does seem dark and dismal, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. You know, like I said, stand on your own too. As African-American men, don't allow anybody to, to dictate to you what you can and can't do, what you can and can't become. Because I, I, I believe also that's essentially what has happened. We, For so long, I, I, I see people just, you're reaching out for help before you helped yourself. You're reaching out to help to a group of people who don't have your best interests in mind, let alone at heart. And there's no one that can dispute that. I'm sorry that that that, that just can't be disputed in my eyes. It shows itself every day. It shows itself every four to eight years during election time also. Yeah, it does. Well, like I said, I want to thank all of you for lending me your ears this morning. Continue to like, support, monetary, if could be. Share, offer feedback. Like I said before, Anchor has a has a feature where you can leave a, a voice recording. And as always... Follow me on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, or Pocket Cast. And I want to thank you all for listening. This is Stephen Carnegie for This Is Just a Thought. sun is shining, the birds are chirping, and you are breathing. 
Today is Thursday, December the 10th, 2020. 15 days until Christmas. My name is Stephen Cornegay, and welcome to This Is Just a Thought. Like always, we have a lot going on in the world around us, whether it affects you directly or indirectly. The decision is totally up to you, to an extent anyway. All right, uh, COVID-19 vaccines may be coming, still waiting approval, but chances are they are, it is going to be approved. And I believe one, I don't want to say prediction or one go-ahead that I've gotten is that here in the uh, lovely state of North Carolina, more specifically here in Durham, North Carolina, they may possibly start the vaccination process as early as next week, Tuesday. And lawmakers have given themselves until December the 18th to move forward with a COVID-19 relief bill or possibly face a government shutdown or showdown. However you want to say it, it's all politics, whether you're Democrat or Republican or Independent or whatever. I wouldn't put too much into, I mean one side being for you, the other side being against you. It's just politics. It's just what they do. But I really think it's sad now more than ever in this country where we have a lot of people hurting and have had a lot of people hurting that can't go to work or have totally lost their jobs. Pardon my French, but they're now involved in a pissing contest and playing footsies totally unacceptable well on to a lighter note if you can say that at least for me anyway my lovely 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 Chicago Bears continue to lose what a surprise can't give you an answer as to why they're losing there's really there really isn't one Hell, if you want to see it, watch a game. Maybe you can figure it out, because I just can't. But there is a... Well, something odd happened yesterday, I believe, actually. The Dallas Cowboys game versus the San Francisco 49ers has been snatched from the televised spotlight. And that most definitely has put the Dallas Cowboys in a awkward and unfamiliar space I mean I've always I mean I've always known that there would be a Cowboys game on but apparently they are so bad this year that they've been snatched and the game has been replaced by the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns huh so are we to believe that the New York the New York Giants are now the king of the NFC East? Huh, that's that's awkward to say the least. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just had to get off on that one there. That was kind of it's kind of funny to me. I'm not a Cowboys fan, so I know there's a few of them out there that's probably gonna give it to me, but oh well. I mean, hey, what can I say? The Chicago Bears are losing, and they're losing horribly. At one point in time, they were 
top of the NFC North. Now I believe they're second to last behind the Detroit Lions. That's some interesting company right there. But moving on, moving on, moving on. You know, like I said, I I try to start every morning off with reading because that not only relaxes me, but it helps to get me in a different headspace. And one of the things that, that I was reading this morning was the uptick in uh, shootings, gun violence here in Durham, North Carolina. I mean, to be honest, it's like that all over the country and in a lot of the cities. But at one point in time, it used to be the major cities. Now you have, it's been happening for a while, but here, you know, Durham was once thought of this little small country, southern town, but now the, the, the shootings have, have just skyrocketed. I mean, I don't want to say that skyrocketed, but it's just like you can turn on the TV and if not every day, every other day, there's a shooting. In fact, so they're saying the shootings are, are up, but the homicides are slightly down this year. If you can make that comparison, I don't know. But that what they're saying is the non-domestic firearm assaults or non-fatal shootings are up to 44% compared to last year. And if you wanted to go deeper, a 26% uptick compared to the previous five-year average. And as of November the 28th, 291 people have been shot this year. That's up from 179 last year. That's 112 more shot, according to the Durham Police Department. And so far, 28 people have been killed. But the one thing that stuck out most to me, the the one statistic, the one group of numbers that just totally threw me off my kill this morning was that of the 46 shot They were 17 years of age or younger. Or the out of 14 of those that were shot, they were 15 years of age or younger. Let me say that again. Out of 46 of those that were shot, they were 17 years or younger. Out of 14 that were shot, they were 15 years or younger. Now, man, between the ages of 15 and 17, what was I doing? Not this. I, I just no, I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't into that type of, of lifestyle that that young of age, and, and I gotta. I, I ask myself this a lot what happened where did it become fashionable or or I don't even want to say fashionable but where did things go wrong that kids between the ages of 15 and 17 years of age some younger are getting involved in shootings 
either they're being shot or they're the ones that are doing the shooting. I would love to see those numbers. It's just mind-boggling to me. What happened? Where did where did things go wrong? Because I can honestly tell you, like I said, at fifteen, between the ages of fifteen and seventeen, I was nowhere near this. And I, I know some of, and, and, and rightfully so, there are a lot of social ills that contribute to this. I mean, I, I know there's some that say that uh, you have single parent households. Father's not in the picture. Uh, some kids, honestly, you would be surprised. I've seen it myself. Some kids are really and truly raising themselves. They don't have a family structure anywhere. So yeah, they they will and they do gravitate gravitate towards gangs or what have you. And, and that's completely understandable but it shouldn't be acceptable and I'm not trying to, to browbeat anyone because most definitely we all have our own unique set of circumstances and, and how life rolls for us I, I never browbeat anyone but to it have numbers like that between the ages of 15 and 17 years of age they, they've gotten shot and all you can hear or see is finger pointing at this point in time for me personally I don't want to hear any of it anymore I, I just I just don't because I guess there's a there's a side of me that thinks back to my teenage years and the things I, I was born. I didn't have a father either. In fact, my father told me to my face I wasn't his. Didn't have a father, single mother. You know, many of the, the same social ills that, that are going on now, we we had back then and yes you did have those that that went off the straight and narrow and went a different path but something has to be really wrong now to read read these numbers and to to hear of of, of a 17 or or 18 year old or, or younger being shot or being killed and I just don't know how much longer we can continue this blame game or continue to cite all of the the, the social ills and and norms that are acceptable when they shouldn't be now I'll give you the fact that that there are some instances where kids that age may be caught up in something that they really don't understand or don't care to understand because of their environment. I, I understand the, the, the 
plight of, of those in gangs. A lot of I've heard a lot of say that you know I didn't have a choice. It, it was either join a gang or or be jumped or or maybe even killed. I understand that. It's sad. It, it really is. It's so sad and disheartening to think that that's what our youth have become. But where does the blame rest? Well, I won't get into that. But let me get into uh, <laughs> let me get into something that that I did find find uh, quite interesting. Like I said, one of the uh, like I said every morning I try to read one of the things that that also as I continue to read this article that that stuck out to me was how and and and, and I will give it some validity there there is a it is a very valid point as one of the social ills that possibly contributed to the decline of, of us I say of, of us as African American males and how we look or view them life apparently there was uh, when I first came to Durham in, in 1997 I uh, heard the story of and, and, and I read in a newspaper also of a gentleman that uh, that had made a homicide memorial quilt this was in 1997 now we're in 2020 so that's 20 some odd years later this quilt is now 60 foot long. A homicide memorial quilt for those that have lost their lives to uh, violence. Gun violence, I guess. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, that's 60 foot long and it's probably sad to say, but realistically, it's going to get longer. We only have a few months left few weeks sorry a few weeks left in the year and it seems like every day or every other day you turn on the TV there's a shooting it's probably going to get longer that's pretty sad but one of the things that came up was um, urban renewal I mean more specifically here in Durham because uh, when I came to Durham and I got employed. I was on a different side of town. But when I, I transferred from one store to the, the other, I went to uh, what is called the South Side of Durham. And the thing about the South Side of Durham, for those who don't know, is um, there was once a thriving African American community called, uh, it's now called Historic Haytai or the Haytai community. What was so astonishing about it was it was African-Americans that built commerce, not only commerce, they, they built a thriving economic force that others had to take notice of. It couldn't be denied. You had a bank or several banks. One of the banks you had was uh, Mechanics and Farmers, which is one of the one of the oldest banks in North Carolina, well, oldest black banks in North, and in, in not just North Carolina, but the United States as well. Then you had, uh, I believe it was North Carolina Mutual Insurance Company, which is the oldest black insurance company in the United States. 
and you also had uh, years later or sometime later you had uh, what is now known as North Carolina Central University a historically black college and you had African Americans male and females that were thriving entrepreneurs they had businesses hotels stores drug stores bakeries beach shops, butcher shops, whatever, whatever you call it. It was a thriving community that couldn't be denied and it caught the attention of, of the likes of uh, W. Du Bois, uh, Booker T. Washington. Others came to see this city. Now, as I said earlier, some believe that urban renewal started the process of, of the decline of this side of town. Now, it, it didn't just happen here in Durham. Urban renewal took place all over the United States. And there are many stories and instances where it has been proven that that part of this aspect of urban renewal, it really didn't help the African-Americans. It, it, and many people have said it just put a final nail in their coffin because some or, or most couldn't rebuild from that. Here in, in, in Durham, on this side of town, what they did, they ran a highway. It's like they, they've done it everywhere, in a lot of places. They ran a highway, a freeway. Freeway, uh, I believe it's 147. They ran a freeway through this side of town and, and for, for, for what some have said, it destroyed some 4,000 homes. 500 businesses it cut off uh, this side of town from the, another side of town that all the money and resources were dumped into and it left the south side depleted and desolate now also along that time between the 1960s and 70s there was the um, introduction of housing projects now, later in years, there's a second phase of urban renewal, which I don't know, many people probably didn't catch it, but in the second phase of urban renewal, some 50 years later, because there was a second phase, they started to tear down the projects. Well, they tore one down here in Durham. It was Fayetteville Street Projects. Uh, now it's called Fayette Place. They tore the projects down, but they didn't build anything. In fact, the Durham Housing Authority ended up selling the land to a developer in 2007. The developer with the promise that he was going to build apartments on on the land. Well, move ahead 10 years to 2017, Durham Housing Authority had to buy the property back waste of money, waste of resources, and just maybe a waste of time. Because now you have here in 2020, you have easily 20 acres, 20 acres plus of land just sitting there. You still have the cement slabs from where the apartments or housing projects once stood on. You have stairs that are still there, overgrown with grass. So 
yes, it was a colossal waste of time and money. So many in the community feel as though that too has played a role in how possibly the youth look at their community and their surroundings and more importantly, their lives. I mean, if you if, if you remember back to when you were growing up, as I do, you, you can remember there being a sense of, of, of community awareness and not just community awareness, but how you were to act and interact with people as human beings. You were supposed to care about them, help them when they were down and out, lend your service any way you could whatever you had it didn't necessarily have to be money it could be an ear when they needed to talk now you come to this point in time now as a a youth I ask what was I doing between 15 and 17 like the kids now truthfully they don't have that luxury that I had or you had at that age now because they're looking at a lot of things and and they're seeing within their own their own communities and families that there now is a feeling of they're not cared for or wanted. Like I said, you have 20 acres of, of land just sitting there with a fence around it, overgrown by grass with concrete slabs everywhere. Can you imagine how a, a, a 15-year-old that's quite possibly thinking, hey, I'm, I'm, in a few more years, I'm going to go out into the world and they step outside their door and they see that. Or they step outside their door and, and they see somebody they grew up with laying in the street, shot, dead. And between those ages of 15 and 17, I tell you, my mind was nowhere near that. And I just cringe. And I pray for these kids now because the mindset of it's not my problem. They're all this and that or whatever. No, 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 no. Now I'm nobody's crutch, but I do have empathy for any and everyone. So there's no way in the world you can tell me that. I don't care how bad it's gotten in this world that at 15 or 17 or younger that you should be dealing with that. This Is this what we've become? Am I to believe that? No, I think not. It's just astonishing to me that not only is this going on here, but it's going on in so many cities across this country and nobody's literally doing anything about it. They're just moving about like, oh, well, not my problem. And, and I think that's 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 a sad commentary to who we are as human beings. That we can just turn on the TV or just walk by someone in the streets with no regard, so cavalier, and say, it's not my problem. I'm not going to worry about it. Let somebody else figure it out. Now, the city council here, (laughs) 
Okay, I'm not going to say anything negative. I'm going to try not to say anything negative. City Council here, some months ago, the uh, police chief came to the city council and said, you know, I need some help. Uh, we have a problem. We have a huge problem. We have a huge gang problem. And pretty much she was saying we're out manned and we're out gun. And I and she requested, I think it was 18 more officers and some more equipment and things. City council said flat out, no. Nope. We're going to allocate the money elsewhere. We're going to put them into programs to uh, where we choose de-escalation versus policing. And I can see that because I, I too believe that there are too many instances where it is just too much policing and how they, I won't say too much policing, but how police interacted, interact with people because they do, when, when, when sometimes it's almost a feeling of they already have a mindset and, and that's what they're coming to do. They're not coming to, uh, let's just say, break bread with you. And, and that's just being honest. So I can see the, the, the need for uh, a retraining of policing practices. But I don't know about the actual defunding. I think the moving of of funds to the point where you have a, a, a police officer coming to tell you, hey, we have a problem, and you know the problem because just like I pull the numbers up, just like I sit and watch the news or I read the newspaper, you do also. And there's only so much of a de-escalation you can do when you allow a problem to fester for so long when you just turn a blind eye and, and that's honestly in my opinion that's what has happened here I don't know how, how it is in other places but that's just what happened here everyone pretty much turned a blind eye to these kids and now these kids are wide open like the old folks used to say they're wide open they don't care and why should they care you've ignored them for so long you just completely ignored them. So now they are raising their own selves, doing their own thing, and raising hell and wreaking havoc. Now your answer is one part wants to defund, the other one wants to put more boots on the ground. So who's right? Also, the police chief asked for uh, a system. I don't know if it's a surveillance system or something called a shot spotter. Where if, wherever there's a there's been a shooting or, or, or gunshots, somehow or another, this satellite, I think, can miraculously horn into where it's at. 
city council rejected that. I, I kind of get that too also. Uh, I don't want to say... No, I'm going to say it. Okay. Don't need one more tool to horn in and stereotype African Americans. Because, hey, if I was a police officer and, and you... And, with this, what is it, shot, shooter, shooter, shot, whatever the hell it is. And, and they told me it was th- at this specific location. When I got there, chances are whoever was out, everybody's a suspect. So I get <laughs> I get the premise that, yeah, you might not want that. Not unless you train and not unless you can be more accurate than just saying it's in a general facility or a vicinity, I'm sorry, general vicinity and yeah, I could see why that was scrapped. But what's astonishing is also a few months ago, there was an uptick of um, violence and shootings at North Carolina Central University. Once again, on the south side. So, some students or student. And the chancellor went to the city council and said, hey, this is going on around. We need more police presence. And what about that shot spotter system? And again, they were rejected. So 